Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 175. That's a lot of episodes. Welcome. Uh, I'm Emily Rainbow Davis and uh, today's blog is inspired by uh, a sort of series of Facebook posts that I witnessed um, an actor that was in a show of mine, the very first show that I made with my theater company here in New York City, um, posted a sort of nostalgic post about that show um, because he was listening to the Hades Town soundtrack and thinking of our show, and it made me feel really weird. Um, I mean, it was a super lovely post on his end. It had nothing to do with him or his post but it got me thinking about things and, um, yeah. So, uh, and the title of this piece basically because it became out because I was talking about this sort of weird feeling that I had about it. And, uh, and Scott said, yeah, that's the perils of survival. <laughs> so, so this blog is called the weird perils of surviving in the arts. It was a magical show. It's not that we didn't have difficulties. It's just that they were so minor in the face of the magic afoot. The cast was talented and smart and game. The design team was innovative and generous. The musicians were curious and supportive. The three of us who made it happen thought of ourselves as charmed ones, bringing forth good art magic. It was a charmed time, I think. And I don't think I'm wrong about how good it actually was. Anyway, that was 18 years ago. A baby who was born on the day we started rehearsals is probably preparing to go to college. Time has passed. But for me, it still feels quite fresh. It is part of my artistic continuum the first step on a long road, and therefore a still significant card in my deck. For most of the other people involved, it is a pleasant memory. It is a show they did in that perhaps brief period of making a go of theater in New York at the dawn of the century. It has become a bit of nostalgia, something to tell their kids about. Since that show in 2002, at least 18 children have been born to people involved in it. A few of those people have remained in theater, but have moved to other parts of the country. As far as I know, I am the only one left of that 22-person team doing theater in New York. And even I have scaled way back. It's become clear what a young person's game theater can be. The large majority of that magical team were young artists. We were mostly in our late 20s and we were all on fire. But without sustaining support, without sufficient opportunities to keep working, most people made the quite sensible choice to leave theater or New York or both. I did not make that sensible choice. And while I wouldn't have, couldn't have done it any other way, I am running into some surprising new perils in sticking around this long. For example, 
Enough time has now passed that shows that I think of as contemporary are, for others, part of their crazy, artistic, long-distant past. Shows that were and are the most important things I've ever done are now, to others, comparable to a fun party they went to a long time ago. It is a very weird feeling. I used to be surrounded by hordes of people who all seemed to believe that theater was the most important thing in the world, and over time, almost everyone has found other things that are the most important to them, while I remain. I have so many conversations wherein people express surprise that I'm still at it. There is often a tone that sounds a little like, you're still playing with dolls? It feels as if, to most people, theater was a childish thing that they put away with all their other childhood toys, and almost no one can believe I still have mine. When I first started putting on shows, it was all fresh and new, and I felt I had so much to learn and discover. I was pulling on so many threads and bits of training. I figured out how to work with our masks from books, learned rasa boxes from our movement director, and threw in some training and viewpoints I'd gotten a few years before. I didn't have a method per se, but I did know what I was after and tried anything and everything to get it. Now, I am much clearer about my methods and techniques. All the things I've learned over the years have sort of coalesced into my own practice. I have acres more confidence in my ability to get a group of people where I want them to go. But all that hard-won knowledge feels wasted due to the fact that I rarely have the will and or energy to raise the necessary funds to make a show happen. I have had my theatrical heart broken a lot, and it is hard to love again. I can say with a fair amount of confidence that I would make an objectively better piece of theater now than I could 18 years ago. I know what I'm doing now in a way that I did not then. But what I had then was a kind of unbridled enthusiasm and positivity, as well as some delusional optimism. Turns out that may be the more valuable commodity. Let's say you met a genie who told you he could give you either endless unbridled enthusiasm for your work or highly evolved skill and knowledge, but you could not have both. Which would you choose? In previous years, I'd have thought that skill and knowledge would be a better choice, but having seen how things work, well... Part of my hard-won knowledge is the realization that unbridled enthusiasm tends to get people a lot further than skill. Take the genie's first offer. With your enthusiasm, you can fundraise and hire someone with knowledge and skill. In the not-quite-two-decades since we put on that first magical show, I have made many things, taken many risks, and put on a lot of shows— the company lost actors to other professions, other callings, and other cities. Two of our regulars were lost to fatal illness. Things happen in 18 years. Births, deaths, art. 
all of it. That first show 18 years ago was connected to the cycles of the world. It was about Persephone and how she came to live in two places, the underworld and the world above. Since we made it, there have been seven Spider-Man movies and a couple of versions of a Spider-Man musical. Given the way the world retreads the same stories again and again, it has not come as a surprise to me that a show based on the same mythical source material has become a hit show on Broadway. I'm sure there were many wonderful Persephone shows somewhere before ours ever came into being. It's clear if you live long enough that you'll see these sorts of things happen often. It's probably never easy to watch the world embrace things that it ignored when you made them, but maybe you get used to it the longer you keep at it. There's a chapter in Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic where she talks about ideas sort of floating around in the atmosphere and then gifting themselves to the person that is ready to receive them and bring them forth into the world. I have found this concept comforting and motivating. It has helped me welcome the crazy ideas that occur to me and justify my work on them. I think, well, that idea chose me to come through. It must be a good one, and I have to honor it. The part I have yet to be able to reconcile is the bit that comes later, after I've made the thing and after I've fulfilled the promise to the best of my ability, and then the idea goes and flies off to someone else to go do it for a bigger audience. I don't think anyone could have warned me about some of the more unexpected perils of sticking out a life in the arts. No one could have prepared this particular road for me. The only things I could say to my younger self if I could time travel and give her advice are, grab hold of that unbridled enthusiasm and ride it for all it's worth. Catch hold of the ideas flying by and ride those too. But everyone will tell you that sort of thing. And honestly, that's pretty much what I did. So... I don't know. Mared? I suppose my real hope is to speak to those like me who have been at it for a long while to just say, yep, of course it's unsustainable. Yep, it's weird in so many unexpected ways. Yep, I'm here too. We're here. And it's weird. So I haven't managed to bring myself to go see Hades Town. I'm I'm sorry. I can't do it. I mean, if if someone gave me a ticket for free or for ten dollars or even for twenty, I would go. But I can't bring myself to pay for it. <laughs> like the big bucks, which is what you need to go to the Broadway. Anyway, tell me how it is or don't. Actually, you know, it's fine. You don't need to tell me anything about it. Um, I know many people who loved it. And that's awesome for them. <laughs> my show has so little to do with that production, from what I understand. I mean, my, my play was not a play and not a musical, although there was a song in it. And um, it, it is funny. Uh, I, I guess there was a fair, there wasn't just the song. There were a couple songs um, that we had musicians kind of throughout. And there were little bits and pieces of music here and there. But there was like one song and I thought, oh, 
I, I'll find that song and I will relearn it and I will put it here on the podcast. And this is where just a cascade of of like tech issues fell down it <laughs> fell down before me because you know okay so we made this show in 2000 we started working on it in 2001 put it up in 2002 and all of the tech has changed so dramatically so like so I was trying to find oh maybe there's a chord chart in there somewhere or maybe I have a like an mp3 of the music <laughs> an mp3 in 2001 forget about it so, uh, I mean, I know there were MP3s, but like we, we wouldn't have been able to make one. I'm fairly certain. Anyway, I don't have one and I don't have like a chord chart. I don't have anything. So, um, I was like, oh, maybe I have it like in an email, like when the band was communicating with each other. Cause we had like a whole band and, and I was like, there were at least four of them involved like the two guys who wrote the song and then at least the two musicians there may have been three musicians I don't exactly remember uh but I can't get into my emails from 2002 even though I have them like I can see them I'm sure somebody with a lot of tech skill could could crack it but it was just like oh these things are not lost forever but they're they're lost to me like at the moment which is funny um, cause I, you know, kind of compulsively save everything and, you know, as time goes by and tech changes, like they, they become obsolete, <laughs> which is so bizarre. Anyway, I, then I thought, oh, I'll just figure it out from the video. I think I have a video of the show. So I found the video of the show and the sound is so bad that you cannot hear the song like at all. And, uh... Because, you know, video quality, who, where are you going to get quality video in 2002? You're going to have to pay a lot for it, which we did not have the money for. So, and the camera was set up right next to the band. So basically the band is like drowning out the, the song and it's sort of like overloading the microphone on the camera. So, yeah, I can't hear the song at all. And and my memory is such that I cannot actually, like, I'm like, I think this is, like, I think I could piece little pieces of it together. But, um, but yeah, it's funny how, how gone it is. Um, if you, if you're listening and you have those chord charts and that song, please send them along. I'd be so curious to hear it. Um, I did not, I wrote most of the lyrics of the song, but the, the actual music was put together by um, uh, the actor who sang it and uh, a mu another musician. So <laughs> anyway, I don't have it. You're not hearing it. I'm sorry. I, tr I really tried. It sent me down an incredible rabbit hole trying to find all this stuff. It was like hours of searching. Um, but Instead, what I'm going to give you is uh, a song that I wrote around the same period, sort of in the same time zone. And interestingly, it might have been written a little bit later, actually, but, but I feel like it shares a kind of optimism that the, the, the play also had that I don't tend to have anymore. <laughs> I mean, my work usually ends fairly well. Like, I don't tend to end with a, like, 
the tragic, you know, I, I don't kill everybody off usually, but it's certainly not the like, hey, like happy, happy, happy ending anymore. Um, yeah, I think that might be age. I don't know. Um, but anyway, this song is sort of similar also in its spirit of like looking at um, an archetypal figure and writing from her perspective, sort of. Um, so it's a fairy tale song. <clears throat> it's called Sleeping Beauty. Um, I cannot believe that I have not recorded it before. I looked and looked, again, a little tech search, uh, and apparently I have no other recordings of the song, so it was time. I feel fairly certain I used to sing it um, with a friend of mine, uh, with Bethany, I think, or Christine, or maybe both. Um, but apparently I did not record such a thing so because I cannot find it. Um, so we have this brand new recording of j- me, me with just me singing. Um, yeah, so that'll be in just a moment. That's, you know, early, early century, uh, vintage Emily Davis. Um, so you were getting two original songs in a row this podcast season. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. And they're both from 2001, 2002-ish, I would say. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to give that song to you in just one moment. Meanwhile, if you like the podcast, please tell someone about it. Uh, share it on the social medias. Give us five stars in the uh, iTunes and any other podcast apps you got. Also, if you want to support the podcast with some dollar bills or whatever currency you've got, um, the best place is on Patreon. So that's a sort of continuous support. That's patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. There's also Ko-fi and PayPal for a more kind of one-time kind of donation situation. So all those links are in the show notes. And uh, I thank you for listening um, and for surviving in the arts with me. This is, this is how we're doing it, y'all. We're just keeping going and shifting according to the winds of the craziness of the world. <laughs> anyway, so without further ado, here is Sleeping Beauty. Getting older by the hour Check the time on the century clock Oh, the years can go by like a rocket's tail Sleeping beauty on her throne Hundred years she's been sleeping alone In her dreams the world wax and wanes All the styles, all the books, all the rages change So won't you wake me up in a hundred years When there's no more fighting and no more fear We all live in peace 
all told her not to touch those tools. They're old-fashioned, they're simple and weak. They won't provide all of the answers you see. Sleeping beauty surrounded by thorns Couldn't say she hadn't been warned While the nature kept her safe From all the foibles and mistakes of the human race So won't you wake me up in a hundred years When there's no more fighting Peace, we all do what we love, and we all know. 